Well, podcast family, we are definitely in flu season. Just when we thought we had COVID-19, a little bit in our rearview mirror, here comes influenza. Yesterday was October the 10th, and one of our OBGYN colleagues who practices in Georgia, Dr. Ashley Nicole, sent me a wonderful voice message. Her message was, hey, Dr. Chopper, look, our patients are starting to come in with symptomatic influenza A, and they're sick. Could you do a podcast about that? No, don't worry. We're not going to talk about just influenza because her recommendation was broader than that. You see, it was how to keep patients healthy and outside of the ICU. In other words, vaccination. I know what you're thinking before we go any further. Oh, I've heard it all. I've got vaccines. I've got it. But do you? Because it can get a little confusing, especially for those going into your oral boards coming up this fall. You know vaccines in pregnancy are going to be a hot topic. So I thought, you know, Dr. Ashley, it's a great topic idea. And we're going to knock this out where it makes a lot of sense. Because when you boil it down, there's only three vaccines in pregnancy that are currently endorsed. Three. Okay, or recommended. We're going to get into those and we're going to give you all the names and all the schedules. And the big question is, can you do them more than one at at the same time? In other words, can you co-administer? We're going to answer all of these things right now. So Dr. Ashley Nicole, thank you for your message. Super, super important. And my goodness, you've got some really sick patients on your hands. Thank you for what you do. Stay encouraged and please know that you're making a difference. Let's get to our message now. Our goal is to keep everyone up to date and practicing evidence-based medicine because medicine moves real fast. This is Clinical Pearls. Hey, Mark, turn this off. Turn off the mic for a minute. So real quick, a little little TMI for you, okay? Little insights into personal brain. <laughs> so it is definitely an Achilles heel. I mean, Ashley left the message and my goodness, I mean, she's dealing with some really sick patients. But I have to tell you, uh, I mean, from Georgia, Achilles heel is women with Southern accent. Uh, I just have to tell you, I mean, every time I hear it, I just I can't, I just can't do it. My knees get weak. My little heart misses a beat. I'm telling you, Southern accent, it's just my Achilles heel. You better, better not put that in the program. Oh, podcast family, let's just start right here, okay? Let's be honest. Vaccine fatigue. I mean, how long have we been hearing this thing in the news and pounded into our minds, vaccine, 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 vaccinate, vaccinate, vaccinate? Well, the reason is, is because it kind of works. I mean, there's evidence there that can keep people healthy and out of places like the ICU that poor Ashley's dealing with right now. So I know it's a tough issue, but especially if you're going into your boards, you're going to be asked these things, not so much about specific schedules, because you can look at the manufacturer's website for that, but how they work, what they are, and can you co-administer them or not? So it's very important that we get this right. Look, in general, there were only two vaccines that were recommended for pregnancy. And that was Tdap and the seasonal influenza vaccine if you were pregnant during the flu season. And that was it. Of course, now we've added COVID-19 vaccinations. So those are the three vaccines that are currently, currently as of October 2022, that are currently recommended in all pregnancies. And we're going to tackle each one in an easy to digest fashion. All right. So COVID-19 Tdap, and there's something new about Tdap just within the last week that I'm going to share with you, and of course, seasonal influenza. We're going to review all of these, and we're going to cover those in three main topics, okay? What these vaccines are, 
when to get them, and then answer if they can be co-administered or not. Before we get into our three-vaccine review, a quick pearl about which vaccines are not permitted while pregnant. These include HPV vaccine, not because it's necessarily dangerous, but because it's not vital to get it during pregnancy and there's no pregnancy data. So HPV defer until after pregnancy. The most important one not to get during pregnancy, specifically in the first trimester, is the MMR vaccine. Remember that MMR should be part of the preconceptual visit, and that should be given at least four weeks, one month, before pregnancy actually occurs. Also, since we're going to talk about the influenza vaccine, remember that not all influenza vaccines are a go. The live influenza vaccine, which is the nasal flu vaccine, is not allowed during pregnancy. Similarly, that's chickenpox and certain vaccines that are used for travel, like yellow fever, typhoid fever, and Japanese encephalitis vaccine are not allowed. Everybody good? No HPV, MMR, live influenza virus, no varicella vaccine, and no vaccine against yellow fever, typhoid fever, and Japanese encephalitis. Now that we've covered that, let's start out with the influenza vaccine. Influenza vaccination is an essential element of pre-pregnancy, prenatal, and postpartum care because influenza can result in serious illness, including a higher chance of progressing to pneumonia when it happens during the antepartum and postpartum interval. And Ashley knows that all too well because of her patient encounters recently. The American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists recommends that all adults receive an annual influenza vaccine and that women who are or will be pregnant during the influenza season receive the inactivated influenza vaccination as soon as it's available. In the U.S., the influenza season typically occurs 10 to 5. 10 to 5. No, not 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. That's 10 to 5 in terms of months. So it's easy to remember October to May. October to May. And here's a clinical pearl. Seasonal influenza vaccines are designed to protect against the four main types of flu. That's two types of type A and the two types of viruses under type B. So if you're ever asked on the oral board, which influenza vaccine should women get? That's a trick question because the answer is yes. There's only one influenza vaccine and it's effective against the four main types of flu, the two types of type A and the two types of type B. According to ACOG, ideally, this flu vaccination should be given before the end of October. So it's fitting that we're doing this podcast on October the 11th. So we're trying to get this in before the end of October. But vaccination throughout the influenza season is still encouraged to ensure some protection during the period of viral circulation. Any of the licensed, recommended, age-appropriate, inactivated influenza vaccines can be given safely during any trimester, all right? So you don't have to wait for them to be out of the first trimester. Only the inactivated vaccine is permitted in pregnancy in any trimester. Okay, we've tackled influenza. Let's move on into COVID vaccinations. I mean, I know you remember when there was just one COVID vaccine out. Well, there's four now. And oh my goodness, don't shut me off and don't fast forward because it's super important and it's going to be super easy, okay? While we cover these, we are going to touch on the newest vaccine to be out and how it works because it's not an mRNA or an adenovector vaccine. So we're going to cover that. But remember that vaccination against SARS-CoV-2 is super important, especially in pregnancy, because pregnancy, just like with influenza, is a risk factor for disease progression. 
Obviously, it also increases the risk for preterm birth and even stillbirth and preeclampsia. Placental changes have been documented even in pregnant women who were asymptomatic or had mild COVID-19 symptoms. As of October 2022, there are four COVID-19 vaccines that are currently approved under the full authorization, that's called the BLA approval, or who are authorized by an emergency use authorization or EUA by the FDA. All right, so the FDA has two processes, a biological license acceptance, which is BLA or emergency use authorization authorization, which is get it out quickly because it seems to be safe, it seems to work, but doesn't have full approval. So BLA is full approval mode. EUA is temporary allowance without full approval. And there's four of those right now. We all know about Pfizer Biotech's COVID-19 vaccine and Moderna's. Those are two mRNA vaccines. Then there's the single vaccine option, which is Janssen's Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And then the newest, which is Novavax. Novavax works differently than the other ones mentioned. And we're going to cover that in just a minute. All right. So Pfizer, Moderna, mRNA, Janssen is adenovirus vector vaccine. And then Novavax is a special kind of vaccine called a protein particle vaccine. We're going to show you what that is in just a minute. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Let's talk about Novavax because most people aren't that familiar with this one because we've had more time to adjust to the mRNA vaccines and the adenovector vaccine. But this new Novavax is a protein subunit vaccine. This vaccine directly injects a version of the spike protein along with another ingredient that helps stimulate the immune system, leading to the production of antibodies and T-cells. So this injects a version of the spike protein that has been formulated in the lab as a nanoparticulate that does not have any genetic material inside of it, so it cannot cause disease, all right? So this isn't the, the live virus. This is just a version of the spike protein that's put into the body to make an immune response. Now, here's a clinical pearl about Novavax. The Novavax clinical trial was conducted before the Omicron variant was circulating, so data doesn't show how well this vaccine works against the current BA5, that's the sub-variant of Omicron that is now the predominant variant in the U.S., Now, even though we don't have that data for BA5 specifically, remember that any COVID-19 vaccine, including Janssen with its little thrombotic potential issue, we're going to touch on that in just a minute, any COVID-19 vaccine is allowed in pregnancy and it's not specifically contraindicated unless the patient just doesn't want it, right? So even though there's no specific data for BA5, with Novavax, it is not contraindicated in pregnancy. 
Now, we have to give this important clinical pearl. So if you're asked on the board which one is preferred, now remember, all of them are allowed, all right? But allowed and preferred are two different things. Which ones are preferred in pregnancy? Well, the answer is very clear, and it's not my opinion. This comes from ACOG, SMFM, and the CDC. Here's what you say. For primary vaccination of all populations, pregnant and non-pregnant, an mRNA vaccine or Novavax is the one that's preferred over J&J Janssen. In other words, of the four, three are preferred. Poor Janssen's kind of left out into the cold. But if you really need to give the Janssen, the J&J vaccine, then give it because it's better than nothing. But that has to do with the special warning for Janssen's vaccine. So let's cover that next. When asked about the special warning for Janssen's vaccine, here's the consideration for women of reproductive age and pregnant women. Most cases of thrombotic, thrombocytopenic syndrome have been reported to the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, or VAERS, and it followed receipt of the J&J Janssen single vaccine. None of these individuals, however, were pregnant, but they did occur almost exclusively in women of reproductive age. Now, while TTS, no, not toxic shock syndrome, that's TSS, TTS, which is thrombotic thrombocytopenic syndrome, this is a clinically serious condition, but it's also really rare. That's why the college makes the stance that if that's the only vaccine a pregnant woman can have, then give it to her. But they do need to be made aware of this potentially rare and clinically very serious condition. So here's a clinical pearl. This isn't just a chance occurrence. It seems there is data that says that this is likely a causal relationship. Thankfully, the condition is rare, but this is why the mRNA vaccines or the protein subunit vaccine is preferred over this adenovirus vaccine for reproductive age women, and that includes pregnancy. All right, now let's talk about how these vaccines are actually given. Remember, there's four COVID-19 vaccines. Three of the four are two shots to make the primary series, okay? Only one vaccine option is a single injection, and that's the Janssen J&J option. So three of the four are two shots on their own schedule, and then Janssen is a single shot. After you finish that primary series of vaccinations, then you qualify for the booster. And here's the clinical pearl. All boosters in the U.S. right now are bivalent. That means they cover two variants. All boosters are bivalent. Now, we mentioned that three of the four vaccines are two shots to complete that primary series. And that's in the general population, including pregnancy. But for those individuals that are severely immunocompromised, like they take a immunosuppressive medication or they're an organ uh, recipient, those require a third injection as part of their primary series. And then they get the booster, okay? So, but in general, three of the four vaccines are two shots as primary series. J&J is a single shot. And after that's done, then the booster can come into play. Let's get into this whole issue of boosters. Everybody qualifies for a booster now, including pregnant individuals. So the current recommendation is as long as you have finished your primary series and at least two months have passed for the mRNA vaccines and four months after the Novavax protein subunit vaccine, then you can get a bivalent booster. This bivalent booster that's approved by the FDA and the only type of boosters that are now available are now effective against BA5 Omicron subvariant. So the bivalent is only one kind 
and the current updated bivalent boosters are the ones that provide protection against BA5 Omicron subvariant that is the current variant in the U.S. Oh, actually, another interesting tidbit on these boosters. Right now, the updated bivalent formulations of this booster are only from Pfizer and Moderna. All right, so they're only the mRNA vaccine types. So of the four types of vaccines, the only booster available, even though they're all bivalent, but the updated bivalent formulations are only for Pfizer and Moderna. And it doesn't matter what they had as primary series. They can receive any booster, but right now, only Pfizer and Moderna have them and and they are both bivalent mRNA vaccines. All right, Ashley, if you're asked what is the best trimester to give the COVID-19 vaccine, remember this. Even though there is some data that there tends to be a little bit better protection to the child when it's given in the late third trimester, waiting until the third trimester leaves the patient otherwise exposed to COVID. So it's any time that the COVID vaccine is available, they should get it, and they shouldn't wait just until the third trimester. But here's what the data says. According to data in a research publication that was published in March 2022 in the Green Journal, these researchers analyzed how spike antibody levels in the mother's blood and the baby's umbilical cord actually varied according to the time of prior vaccination. Okay, that makes sense. So in other words, followed women who got vaccinated first, second, third trimester, and then looked at antibody levels in both the mom and in the baby's umbilical cord. This study included over 1,400 women and their babies. They found that the levels of maternal antibodies at delivery tended to be higher when the initial vaccination course occurred in the third trimester. All right, sounds like third trimester wins, right? No, 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 that's important and that's great. But they also found that antibody... All right, so it sounds like third trimester is best, right? Well, while that is true, remember that waiting for the third trimester leaves the patient exposed. And the good news is, is that the researchers also found that antibodies were detected against the spike protein in both maternal and cord blood, regardless of the timing of their first vaccine series. So yes, even though the antibody titers were lower after early vaccination, meaning in the first trimester or just pre-pregnancy, they were still detected. So this difference actually was not that large. So there's no significant difference in anti-spike antibody levels by timing of vaccination. So the important point is that they receive the COVID-19 vaccination. Remember, while there tends to be slightly higher antibody levels in the third trimester recipients, they still found antibodies even when it was done pre-pregnancy or in the first trimester. So the important thing is to get vaccinated. And remember that that booster is still helpful and pregnancy is not an exclusionary criteria for that booster vaccine. If asked when COVID vaccination can happen after symptomatic COVID, well, there's an answer for that as well. The CDC says you can wait three months after the first day symptoms began to get the vaccine. And the reason is it's pretty rare to get reinfected within the first three months after symptomatic infection. All right, podcast family, we're coming to the wrap. We've covered influenza. We've covered COVID-19. And that brings us to the third and final vaccine that's recommended in pregnancy. That's Tdap. This is called the Boostrix vaccine. Now, the FDA just approved, I'm talking about within the last week, approved Tdap as a way to 
prevent newborn pertussis up to two months of age, which is great. It's also kind of weird because we've been doing that and giving it for that very reason for over a decade now. So thanks, FDA. It's great. It's been a while. But yes, Boostrix is now officially endorsed as a way to prevent neonate or neonatal infection in the first two months for pertussis, right? So it's a good thing. Tdap is tetanus toxoid, reduced diphtheria toxoid, and acellular pertussis. Um, wait a minute. I didn't mean to, like, brush off the FDA. I've got great friends there. Thanks, guys. No harm intended. Remember that pertussis is whooping cough and it's highly contagious and newborns and babies are at high risk of severe whooping cough and it can actually be life-threatening. All pregnant women should get the Tdap vaccine during each pregnancy, all right? Every single pregnancy should be a Tdap. The vaccine helps the body make antibodies which protect not only the mom, which is not really that big of an issue, but it's to protect the child. These antibodies pass to the fetus and can protect the newborn until he or she can get their own Tdap vaccine at two months of age. It's best to give Tdap vaccination between the 27th and 36th week of each pregnancy. Everybody good? So 27 to 36 weeks. The only time a woman should be administered the vaccine postpartum is if she has never received Tdap before, but repeat postpartum vaccination is not an ACIP recommendation and won't protect the child. So remember, 27 to 36 weeks is the recommended time for Tdap. All right, Ashley, hang in there. We're almost done. One last pearl as we get ready to wrap this up about Tdap. Tdap, if given early in pregnancy, let's say, oh, they, she steps on a rusty nail in the first trimester and she gets Tdap. Well, do you have to repeat that at 27 to 36 weeks? The answer is no. CDC and ACOG recommend only one dose of Tdap during each pregnancy. So if given in the first trimester, do it an indication, then you do not need to repeat it in the third trimester. The last question to answer before we wrap this up is, can you get more than one vaccine at the same time? In other words, can you get COVID-19 and the flu vaccine together? What about COVID-19 and Tdap or the flu and Tdap? The answer is yes, you can give the vaccinations together with a special caveat for COVID-19 and the flu. COVID-19 and flu vaccinations absolutely can be given at the same time. But according to the CDC, they have to be given at least one inch apart or preferably on different sides of the body. Even Tdap can be given at the same time. According to the CDC, quote, simultaneous administration of vaccines is defined as administering more than one vaccine on the same clinic day at different anatomical sites and not combining in the same syringe. Experimental evidence and clinical data do give the scientific basis and safety for administering these vaccines simultaneously. Simultaneously administering all vaccines for which a person is eligible at the same time of visit increases the probability that that individual will be fully vaccinated at the appropriate time and appropriate age when necessary. End quote. Well, Ashley, that brings us to a wrap. I hope that was helpful as you get ready to do your boards. Remember, just three vaccines, COVID, 
influenza, and Tdap. And we've given you the specifics. Now arm yourself for your oral boards. You're going to do great. And listen, I know you've had some challenging cases, but my goodness, I mean, thank goodness for you. I mean, you're standing in the gap and what a privilege to be able to intervene when these people are sick, hurting, or just afraid. Uh, I'm proud of you. You're doing great and you've had some really tough cases. Don't be a stranger. I wish you the best on your oral boards. And for everybody else, thanks for being part of our podcast family. And we'll see you next time on Clinical Pro-